Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching Badass Rockabilly Track. Now crafting your new Vibranium suits. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Christian, so before we get started, you've got a little giveaway going on this week over on Twitch. That's right, guys. I'm actually going to be giving away a copy of Resident Evil Village. I know what you're saying. Christian, you've been talking about this game for about like a month and a half now. Well, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to actually win it on the stream. I'm going to be playing it next weekend on the 7th. I'm going to be playing it Saturdays... uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, actually, at 12 noon Central Time. And if you are a subscriber, you will be automatically entered in for a chance to win Resident Evil Village. Now, Christian, how can they subscribe? Well, uh, there's two great ways that you could subscribe, honestly. You can just head over to my Twitch, pay some cash um, on the actual channel, hit that subscribe button, or you could use your Amazon Prime account for free and have a free subscription to me for a whole month. For free? For free, Damon. Well, that's a, a no-brainer, Christian. Absolutely. So why aren't you subscribed to me right now? I mean, hey, pause the episode. Go over to Twitch to fucking subscribe. <laughs> I might even subscribe. Why aren't you is the better question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving you a red oh cent my of my God. money. <laughs> Subscribing really does help support the Twitch channel and helps it grow. And I really appreciate all those who have already have subscribed to the actual channel. So, yeah, just a friendly reminder for you guys to subscribe to the Amazing Nerd Show on our Twitch channel. And you could win Resident Evil Village. That's right. And you know what? Tell a friend or don't if you're a greedy bastard. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. Tell a friend. Well, you could gift gift the subscription to a friend if you want. Oh, that's true. That's true. And I am subscribed, by the way. I don't know if I've seen that, but we'll, 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 I'll, I'll look at the records. All right, <laughs> I'll see if the, I'll see yeah, the fine little print. faith. <laughs> Damon, what are we talking about this week on the episode? Well, Christian, this week we're going to be breaking down the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and giving our overall thoughts for the entire series. And we're also going to be finally reviewing Mortal Kombat. That's right. And over on Christian's Corner, I'll be talking a little bit about the Sony state of play. All right. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. So this week's review comes from Caden Irwin. He wrote, Grapevine, I wasn't looking for anything like this, but boy, am I glad I found it. It's always fun to find nerds who know a lot more than I do. 
Well, I don't know about that, Caden, but what I do know is your review goes a long way to helping out a small podcast like us. Uh, so thank you so much. Caden uh, already DM'd us his information, so we'll be sending him some show merch um, shortly. Uh, we, right now, we've got some great pins and like sticker packs to give away. So um, if you guys are interested in helping support the brand and, you know, receive some great merch, go ahead and write those five-star reviews. And reminder, if you do, make sure you DM us on our social media platforms. Um, you know, any of them will do, uh, just so we can make sure that everyone gets the credit that they deserve and possibly your show merch. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up, Marvel announces Captain America 4. So yes, according to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Marvel Studios is developing a fourth Captain America film following the conclusion of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Malcolm Spellman, the showrunner, uh, will be penning the script along with Dallin Musan, who is one of the writers on the series. So I'm sure we're going to talk more about this later when we recap the finale and give our final thoughts on the series, but I'm definitely excited for this. I mean, in the perfect world, I would like to also see them get a second season uh, to kind of like do the heavy lifting story wise and allowing them to like dig deeper into some of the different themes that we saw in the series. But I do feel like the, the show works as a nice setup for a film. But we'll talk more about that later. Well, speaking of the MCU, Marvel's Ironheart has landed a head writer. So yes, uh, Variety has confirmed that screenwriter, poet, playwright, and educator Shanaka Hodge is currently set to serve as the showrunner for Ironheart. Uh, she's known for writing Apple TV Plus's uh, reboot of Amazing Stories, as well as TNT's current adaptation of Snowpiercer. So Ironheart is a relatively newer character in the comics. I believe she debuted about like five, six years ago. But in that like short period of time, she's become one of their best like modern day like creations. I think like Riri honestly is going to quickly become one of the MCU's like most popular characters and like someone who will end up leading the franchise for like, you know, years to come. Um, I just really see huge things for her in the future. No, I absolutely agree. I think, um, you know, she could be really a big part of the Young Avengers and stuff, whatever they're planning on doing next. I definitely think that she will be a big figure in that, um, especially for fans and stuff like that going forward. I definitely think that uh, Riri is the right choice to do it as well. <laughs> if they were to like have like a leader and stuff like that, I know probably end up being like Kate or someone on, on that level. But um, I, I definitely think that she will be a big star going forward. Will be interesting, too, to see if they end up, you know, graduating those characters to like the main roster of, of the Avengers, because I could would be see, cool, you know, a world where Riri is the leader of the Avengers. Oh, really? OK, that'd be cool. Well, up next, Silk Sony Spider-Man TV spinoff to reportedly begin filming um, in the near future. So according to Discussing Film, um, Silk is looking to begin filming in late August and would probably then wrap uh, production sometime in early 2022. So sometime last year, it was reported that Silk could be possibly one of the live action television series that uh, Sony could be putting on Amazon Prime. Uh, since then, we really haven't had like many details about like the series. 
but we did hear at some point that Sang Kaiyu Kim from The Walking Dead is expected to serve as showrunner and executive producer. So Cindy Moon Silk, like Riri, is another newer character in the comics whose origin is closely like tied into Spider-Man's. In fact, I believe they were bitten by the same radioactive spider. Uh, she is kind of part of that whole like uh, Moreland storyline uh, after being trained by Ezekiel. He locks her away to protect her from the inheritors. It's a whole thing, and I feel like they're definitely going to like do some streamlining with her origin. But this being under the Sony umbrella has me more than a little nervous, especially after how we saw them like treat Venom's origin. You know, I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen any reports of them like being interested in doing like an inheritors down the road. Like a like an inheritors like big bad villain. Like maybe they want to do like <laughs> They build up their own spider team, and that's what they're doing on the side. That's what they're introducing Silk. They'll introduce another spider, you know, companion, and then they'll just build it up and then have, like, an Avengers-level Spider-Man event happen. Well, I mean, if rumors are true in Spider-Man 3, we're supposedly supposed to be getting three Spider-Men in mm. one movie. So maybe that's the start. Maybe they tease Moreland and, you know, his gang there. It's, I mean, it's a mess if they try. I, I don't know if I trust somebody <laughs> to do that. Well, that would be underneath the MCU. Kevin Foggy would be overseeing Fair. that. Mm. So I have a little more faith in Foggy than I do Sony. Well, it also looks like the MonsterVerse is continuing on as we could possibly be getting another film from Adam Wingard. So the Hollywood Reporter has learned that Legendary is interested in doing more films for the franchise. No shit. Um, also in breaking news, Legendary likes money. Um, they currently are eyeing Adam Wingard for a return in the director's chair. And according to the site, Son of Kong might be one of the next possible installments for the series. So, Christian, do you think we'll get like a Son of Kong versus like Son of uh, Godzilla? I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot still on the table for them to do monsterverse wise if they really want to go into the more like crazy alien characters. I mean, they've already introduced. Uh, um, King Ghidorah. I mean, there's a lot of just weird alien characters Godzilla goes up against. If they want to go that route, I'm fine with well, that. Well, here's the thing. Like, who the fuck is Kong reproducing with? I don't know. Like, <laughs> they, they totally said that there's no one left. Yeah. So I have no idea. So, I mean, right? That's weird. Um, my God. And that's a visual I don't want. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, son of Kong, I, I don't know. just sounds a little lame. I like your idea better. I mean, go with the monsters that you've already like introduced. Maybe they'll do like a cloning thing. Maybe that'll be it. They'll do like a time skip. And the little girl now is like a genetic uh, physicist or whatever bullshit. And fucking makes a, a mini Kong. I don't know. <sighs> I, I, I don't want any of it anyway. So I'm, I'm just gonna... I can already see the merch. I mean, uh -huh. it's going to be super cute. Everyone's going to love it. It's going to be Baby Yoda Pretty for Kong. Much. That's what you think? Pretty much. <laughs> and then at the end, they fucking introduce Son of Godzilla. Same thing. Uh, uh, nah, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Book it. Damn it. You can't make predictions. They come true too often. <laughs> Also, this just in, HBO's Green Lantern series has casted its leading role. It seems that Finn Whitrock, known most recently for his role in Netflix's Ratchet series, will be playing Guy Gardner. 
Um, Variety also reported that the story will span decades, starting in the 1940s, and star multiple lanterns. Um, I've seen Ritrock pull off Psychopath, so I'm interested to see his take on Guy Gardner. We also got another breaking story as Marvel's Moon Knight seems to have started filming. Looks like they've reportedly been shooting in a museum in Budapest as someone near the location took some pics of the film set. Moon Knight is still set to come out in 2022. All right, Christian, the time has finally arrived. We're going to break down uh, the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, one world, one people, and we're going to give our overall thoughts on the entire series. Let's get started. Warning spoilers for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier ahead. You have been warned. This isn't about easy decisions, Senator. You just don't understand. I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. What don't I understand? All right, so we start off the finale right after the GRC meeting as Carly and the Flag Smashers begin their plan. Bucky is first on the scene, and Sam lets them know that they have some backup um, there as well to help with the situation. Not moments later, and we find out that it's none other than Sharon Carter, using the same high-tech face-off masks we've seen in Captain America Winter Soldier. Sam, decked out in his new Captain America suit, arrives on the scene, shield in hand, busting in on one of the upper floors. As the building attempts to evacuate, Sam immediately realizes that the evac is a part of Carly's plan. And of course, as Sam informs Sharon and Bucky, Batrock attacks. So I love this introduction to Sam as Cap. Like, I got straight chills. Uh, the suit looks great, very comic book accurate, and they just hit the ground running by like showing off what Sam can do in it. I love that the action sequences for Sam are going to be like unique as he like combines his skills with like the shield and the wings. Um, just incredibly yes. like cinematic mm. and Batarock was like a great first like test for him since we've seen Steve like fight him in the past. Um, what I didn't like though <laughs> was the Flag Smasher's plans. Um, it just felt like completely overly like complicated and honestly like I just got lost. I mean when you've got one episode left to like wrap everything up keep it simple uh, also yes. <laughs> like Sharon actually being there I don't know to me just felt unnecessary like I understand it was to like add dramatic effect to like the reveal of her being like the power broker but it just felt messy and just like I said unnecessary at least, I mean, like, they didn't build anything up to her actually coming to the States. Like, if they had shown something maybe in the last episode where she was, like, traveling or doing something that showed that she was going there, maybe I'd buy it a little bit more. Well, but she just shows and up. And if it's that easy, why didn't she go visit her fucking parents? Like, what she, yeah. was, <laughs> she was bitching about in, like, the second or third episode, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Especially if she's got those, like, Mission Impossible mask doohickeys, right? Exactly. I don't know, man. I loved how they started it off with like showing very distant shots of, you know, him flying in, you know, really yes. teasing it and then breaking in through yes. the window. Felt very like um, the Dark Knight in those that second film where he breaks in through the window. Like I said, Pretty I epic. got chills, man. I, I love the uh -huh. moment. <laughs> Down below, Sharon and Bucky attempt to intercept the Flag Smashers and split up in the process after Bucky recognizes a few of them. Bucky chasing down one of them is actually stopped by a woman with a phone saying he has a call from Carly. While Carly is on the phone with Bucky, Sharon finds the Flag Smashers secretly loading up the GRC members into two evac trucks with, of course, all the hostages being unaware that this is a trap. Bucky attempts to talk down Carly on the phone, only to find out she's simply been buying her people, you know, time. Um, Sharon, on the other hand, being a bit more useful, actually gasses and melts one of the Flag Smashers' faces. Bucky, finding a nearby motorcycle, um, takes off after the evac truck. 
trucks. Sharon also notes a helicopter with more GRC members being taken hostage is departing and Sam quickly has to fight his way away from Batrock to go after it. For me, this scene kind of made Bucky look a little dumb. Uh, him obviously taking the bait to be distracted on this phone call. Like, you would think he would keep moving. The fact that he stayed in that one room to talk to Carly over the yeah. phone while all this is happening. I'm like, what? This should be against Cut. your training I mean, in general. Yeah, Bucky, you've been at this for a long time, uh -huh. man. <laughs> you should know better than that, right? I was very surprised by that. But yeah, the, the face melting was, was a thing. <laughs> that was pretty badass, I won't lie. I did uh -huh. pop for that. Next, we see the return of Red Wing as Sam takes flight with his new wings going after a helicopter. Inside, Red Wing scans for potential pilot replacements as Sam is going to have to take out the Flag Smasher attempting to kidnap them. Meanwhile, on the ground, the Flag Smasher leaders, you know, meet up with Carly. With the plan not going exactly as they wanted, you know, with the heroes chasing after the GRC hostages, Carly's team kind of questions what they will do next. Carly simply states, if we have to, we will kill the GRC members. Anything to get their message out, which, you know, doesn't really go over well with the group. But, you know, to their own dismay, they still continue on with Carly's plan. So Wakanda hooks Sam up. I mean, a new Red Wing and Vibramium Wings. Like, I love yes. that he can, like, form a cocoon around himself and deflect a fucking helicopter. I mean, <laughs> how badass is that? Um, Carly has just gone completely over the deep end, though. It does seem like the rest of the Flag Smashers aren't, like, fully on board with, like, kind of her, like, suicidal aspirations. Uh -huh. uh, unfortunately, you know, for me, this didn't, like, carry, like, tons of weight, though, because I feel like we haven't, like, spent enough time with these other characters. Um, they're just kind of, like, I don't know, nameless goons at this point. Um, once again, this harkens back to, like, my main issue with this series is, like, the episode counts. I think they just bit off a little more than they could chew with, like, you mm -hmm. know, six episodes. It's just, like, we only ever saw the one that she really talked, or the two of them that she really actually talked to. And the other ones never really seemed to protest anything that she ever did. So when we get to this point where, you know, they've already seen her kill, I don't know how many people, you would think, yeah, I kind of expect this from Carly at this point. Well, you know? and, she's... and they don't even really give them dialogue here. They just kind of no, like yeah. make a boo-boo face. Like, uh. I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess you're not fully on board. Back up in our air chase, though, a police helicopter gets involved and is immediately knocked out of the sky. Sam, as fast as he can, saves one of the pilots and gives the public their first look at Captain America as he lands on a populated bridge and uses what I can only imagine are vibranium wings to deflect a whole helicopter. Bucky, on the other hand, catches up to the GRC trucks as the Flag Smashers attempt to hijack the drivers. Carly wants to slow Bucky down from stopping them and actually sets one of the trucks full of hostages on fire. While Bucky attempts to, you know, punch open the burning truck, we hear John Walker shout out to Carly from a distance. In a failed attempt to calm Walker down, Carly actually ends up antagonizing him more and begins to brawl with him. At this time, Bucky is still trying to save the hostages and ultimately gets them out, then returning to help Walker in the fight. We then cut back to our helicopter chase with 
Red Wing having identified a passenger with military flight experience. Sam then contacts that GRC member on the helicopter and explains his plan to her. With her counting down, Sam busts through the helicopter, taking out the flag smasher for the GRC member to jump into the pilot seat. On the ground, Carly and Walker are having a super soldier fight, while Bucky fights other flag smashers in a construction zone pit. Carly, determined to get away from Walker, hops in one of the uh, GRC trucks full of hostages again and forces it to drive directly to the pit where Bucky is currently fighting. Walker, still conflicted with wanting to go after um, Carly, ends up deciding to save the truck. But while trying to hold the truck from falling into this pit, he loses grip. But in true hero fashion, just in the nick of time, Sam catches and pushes the truck back up with the use of his, you know, thrusters. Carly, not one to be easily defeated, attempts to attack Bucky one more time, only for Sam to come in and knock them all down with his shield throws. Before they can capture Carly, Batrock shows up though, and starts smoke bombing the area, allowing Carly and the others to get out. So some people had issues with Walker's character in this episode and just like his whole arc. Um, I didn't bump up against Walker like coming after the Flag Smashers, because of course he would, right? Um, and just like I didn't bump up against him like choosing to save the hostages instead of like seeking vengeance. I mean, I know like a lot of people see him as a villain, but really like the US agent character, like he operates in this kind of like gray area. But like when push comes to shove, more often than not, he's going to make the right choice. Um, it's his methods that are usually questionable. Uh, he's a complicated character. He's unstable as fuck, but he's not necessarily like a true villain. I guess a lot of people probably imagined it would be something more along the lines of maybe what I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is like Two-Face from Dark Knight where you know you you see him fully just fall into madness at the end you know and I think a lot of people saw that for this character definitely not where it was going to go no (laughs) but I definitely I definitely I could imagine a lot of fans were definitely thinking this is you know he's just gonna make a dark turn like even at that moment I was almost surprised that he didn't go after Carly but I was fine with him going after the truck I didn't have any problems with that I love that we got, you know, this awesome hero moment for Sam, a really nice like introduction, like, you know, for the public to him as like, you know, Captain America, Uh, you know, one of the things this episode did really well was like spotlighting how great Sam is as Captain America. Uh, And the crowd reaction was such a nice touch. One of the things that this episode did really well was just like spotlighting how like great Sam is as Captain America, which a lot of people might not have experienced if they don't read the comics. Um, It just, the crowd reaction, it was so like Spider-Man 2, but it was like such a nice touch. I loved it. As we continue, we get Sam, Bucky, and Walker, you know, chasing after the Flag Smashers in an underground construction area, only having to like split ups when the track go in different directions. Carly, while running around down there, runs into Sharon Carter, who is then unveiled to be the power broker, as we all assumed. <laughs> in a standoff with Carly and Sharon, Batrock actually appears and offers aid to Sharon, but for an additional cost now that he knows her identity as the power broker. Sharon, not liking the blackmail, turns her gun from Carly and kills Batrock, but leaves herself open to get shot by Carly. Sam 
Sam hears the gunshots and immediately heads towards them to find Sharon down and Carly aiming at her. Carly and Sam begrudgingly fight one another. Meanwhile, just outside the construction zone, Bucky and Walker actually catch the rest of the Flag Smasher leaders using their app against them. Back at the fight between Carly and Sam, Sam is holding back while Carly charges on in her attacks. Um, in a moment of separation, Carly aims to shoot down Sam, and even while hesitating, seems to decide to shoot Sam. But right before she can pull the trigger, Sharon just guns Carly down. In her dying breaths, Carly apologizes to Sam. So, like, I totally thought the Sharon reveal felt flat. I mean, not as bad as, like, the boner twist from WandaVision. I mean, that sounds painful. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, but it just, I don't know, just kind of weak. Uh, I uh, think part of it is, like, I don't really know where this is, like, leading to. I mean, I have my suspicions, and we'll talk about that later. I I love, though, like, Sam refusing to fight back and him, like, continually, like, trying to reach Carly. I mean, it just shows, like, the moral fiber that, like, makes Sam who he is. He truly believes at her core, like, Carly's a good person who's just lost. Um, and he's going to do what it takes to, like, reach her. Unfortunately, because of Sharon, we'll never know if he did, though. Um, but unfortunately, because of Sharon, we'll never know if he actually did, though. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, it just feels like it was too obvious that that was going to be the power broker. Like, I was expecting some bigger twist there. Mm -hmm. And maybe she's working for someone else, and we'll get into it later. But I'm just, I was a little let down how easy it was at that point that she was just like, yeah, I'm the power broker. Yeah. And we all just knew. And you're like, expecting that, like, double twist, which, I mean, we'll talk about mm -hmm. it, but we don't really get that. So it did feel kind of lackluster. We then get a moment with Sam carrying and flying out Carly to a place where ambulances and police have set up along with the GRC members they saved and a ton of reporters, you know, asking how Sam became the Captain America and, you know, what happened to the Flag Smashers. During this scene, the GRC representatives try to thank Sam for saving them and state that their plans on the vote are about to begin, honestly. Sam, though, in front of everyone, explains how wrong they are with their view of the Flag Smashers and how wrong they are with how they're handling all the world's problems post-snap. In a powerful speech, Sam explains they have just as much power as a mad god and a distraught teenager. And it all really just comes down to how they use it. Because if they don't do better, people like Carly will just rise up against them once more. With a simple nod to Walker, Sam and Bucky just walk on out and, you know, actually go talk to Sharon. Sam, while talking to Sharon, really explains that, you know, he will still help her, you know, with getting a pardon. And at this point, really is unaware that she is the power broker. Hell of a speech. I mean, if you're rocking the shield, you gotta be able to make a fucking speech. Um, yes. Sam <laughs> might be an optimist, though, but he isn't gonna fall for any bullshit either. I love the parallels that Sam points out between, like, the Flag Smashers, the GRC, and Thanos. Um, it, yes. it really felt like a mission statement for, like, you know, Captain America to the world. I mean, yes, it's a bit, like, tropey, but, like, I felt it was moving and just well done. No, I mean, I think if I'm going to make a list of my like top 10 hero like speeches of the MCU so far, I'm putting it up there. At no, least somewhere I agree 100%. <laughs> and I love how they showed everyone's great. like reaction to to it at the mm -hmm. same time. 
Just, I mean, just nicely done. Before we fully leave this night, we get another moment um, with the Flag Smasher leaders being hauled away. We also get a reveal with the police that were taking them away, also seeming to be Flag Smashers. Though, at the end of the day, this doesn't even matter because as the truck drives away, it explodes. <laughs> and we see Baron Zemo's butler holding the trigger. That's when we cut to the raft where we see Zemo, you know, is watching the news of his deeds. In what seems like like a fourth wall break here, Zemo smiles in our direction before resting in his bed with a good book. Cut away to Valentina and Walker's wife discussing the news of Zemo killing the remaining Flag Smashers as Walker tries on a new uniform. After being yelled at a couple times to come on out, he comes dressed as the US agent, with Val actually giving him this new title. So I did like Zemo getting like the last laugh. I mean, at least we think he got the last laugh because I wouldn't uh -huh. be surprised if if, like somehow it's a ruse and like they switched cars beforehand since we had that like flag smasher reveal too right before you know everything took place mm -hmm. um because like even like why do that beat otherwise um i mean maybe like sharon was involved or contessa or maybe you know they're just dead i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but I know, like, we gotta give Zemo that final moment. But it just, I don't know, for uh, me, it just felt a little too easy, right? Like, I mean, could you have done this the entire time, Zemo? Like, <laughs> if you're, like, tracking them that closely? Exactly. I mean, like, in classic cinema fashion, if if you don't see the body, they're not dead, right? Like, we'll just go with that method. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, with that scene between, like, Val and, like, the U.S. agent... We're definitely like gearing up for a Dark Avengers team or a Thunderbolts team of some sort. And I'm I'm totally down for it. Like, I mean, Val or Contessa, whatever she's going by, uh, will probably be like the evil version of Nick Fury, like putting the team together, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. Like, I'll be interested to see like if they slowly start introducing like possible members like throughout like phase four. I mean, both teams have villains like Venom, Bullseye, Norman Osborn, and of course, like Zemo. But most likely, you're going to get like smaller villains, I'm going to guess, like on the team. Um, like villains like Ghost and Swordsman, who both have been like part of, you know, both teams, I believe, in the past. But like over the years, like, you know, as the teams evolved, the Thunderbolts have had like this crazy roster. I mean, everyone from Bucky to the Punisher to Luke Cage to Elektra have been on that team. So, I mean, really, the sky's the limit. Um, well, Damon, what is the difference between the Dark Avengers and the Thunderbolts at the end of the day? So, not much. The Dark Avengers uh, came to be when Norman Osborn, like, got like total power it's like his version of the avengers but he uh, takes okay. a lot of the thunderbolts team which he was already leading and he like he basically disguises them as the avengers um it actually takes place right after secret invasion which is interesting because we know secret invasion is on its mm -hmm. way um so we'll see but they haven't introduced norman osborne even though there's rumors floating about this week that that might be coming um but we'll talk about that maybe later or another episode because <laughs> it's just a rumor right now so uh. um but yeah so uh, he disguises bullseye as hawkeye actually moonstone um is captain marvel i believe venom is spider-man and then norman is actually uh in an iron man suit and he goes by iron patriot um, do you think, like, going down the road, they would want to do this or maybe start the Thunderbolts off as a TV series? Or would you want them to just shove it in, like, put it into, like, a Captain America movie or something like that? 
it's a lot to put into like one movie. Mm-hmm. So if they do it, I feel like they're going to have to build towards it because um, that's a big story to kind of tell. I mean, I know they'll do their own version of it, um, but that feels like more of an Avengers type movie. Uh, you know, where maybe it starts off in a, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier type series or like throughout yeah. the next you know phase of the MCU. And then it ends up escalating to a big like showdown in a film. So um, they just have a lot of legwork to do in the meantime. <laughs> and I'm really like tempted to talk about the Norman Osborn rumor. <laughs> But it's it could be total bullshit. I don't want to like dive into it. Well, okay, Damon, you're you're talking about it so much. Just just let it out. What what is it? What is the rumor? I don't think we have enough show left, man. Uh, <laughs> so the rumor is the person that Sharon's talking to on the phone is actually Norman Osborn. Oh, and that he's gonna be like introduced in a roundabout way in Spider-Man Three. Like we're gonna get William Defoe, but then. Peter's going to kind of look up, you know, his Earth's version of Norman. This could be utter bullshit. Like, I'm going to tell you right <laughs> off the hand, like right away. I was like, what? Come on. Uh, but he's going to look up like his Earth's version of, you know, Norman Osborn. See that, you know, you know, he's kind of a politician, but he seems like a really good guy who gives to all these charities. But of course, but of course, like through the next phase, we find out that he's actually, you know, this sick, twisted villain who ends up actually being like the big bad for like the MCU's like, you know, next big phase um, in this whole like, you know, Secret Invasion, Thunderbolts, Dark Avengers. I think it's Dark Reign. I think the overall storyline is called Dark Reign. He does become this like Lex Luthor like level villain for the entire Marvel Universe. You know, whereas before he just kind of operated in the Spider-Man books, they really mm-hmm. like leveled him up. I became a, a serious threat. So um, I don't know. I would. I love Norman, so I hope it's true. But I doubt it because I haven't heard <laughs> enough like sites reporting on it. And you know, something like this, they usually jump on. So mm-hmm. I mean, just forget I even mentioned anything because <laughs> I do feel like they're going more cosmic for the next big bad. You know, with the yeah. Eternals and everything being introduced. So I mean, I you could have both, but I don't know. I mean it. It could be early seeds to the next next. Well, event, exactly. You know, you never know. Exactly. I mean, just kind of like how Thanos really spans multiple phases. Well, if you if it does come true, you heard it first, folks. Well, right? not you really. Right I mean, other first. sites do report on it, but <laughs> shush, shush. <laughs> you get it here first. <laughs> Before the show closes out, we get a moment each with Bucky and Sam. First, Bucky makes amends by visiting Yori and telling him he killed his son. The truth may have broke this old man's heart, but it actually seems like it was for the better in the end, as we see Bucky walk past him in a restaurant. We also see that Bucky had left a note with his therapist you know thanking her for what she had done and also you know saying that he had completed his list so like this scene was just okay for me um but like most of this episode it just kind of felt rushed i don't know if it just i don't know if i just built it up in my head to be a bigger moment i mean don't get me wrong it was fine i just wanted a little more for bucky you know before we kind of like wrapped up his entire arc this series i feel like i feel like this entire episode which was like one third the battle at, at, at the beginning and you know defeating carly and then the rest was all wrapping up the entire 
you know, the entire season. Um, and it just felt just bam, bam, bam. Yeah. We got to get this out. And then it ended. And like even like even rewatching it to, you know, um, you know, for this episode and everything, it still felt like I watched, you know, a, a 20 minute episode of stuff. But it was like spread across 50 minutes. I It was just very weirdly paced by the no, end. No, I agree 100%. And what's weird about it is, like, you're fucking Marvel, you know? And, and like, yeah. y- you're owned by Disney. <laughs> you control the episode count. Like, if you've got more story to tell, then fucking take your time and tell it. Like, I mean, would Disney Plus really have an issue with you having, like, an extra couple episodes? No. And they... It, it couldn't have been a budget it problem. Just, because I, I mean, <laughs> it just felt weird to me. I don't know. I don't get it. It was. Sam, on the other hand, actually ends up revisiting Isaiah Bradley. Sam takes Isaiah and his grandson to the Captain America exhibit, where Sam has actually had them add a monument to Isaiah Bradley so that no one forgets what he has done for this country. This was one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. Like, even though he didn't say it, you could see, like, the pride in Isaiah's eyes. Um, the reveal of the statue at the Smithsonian was just a beautiful touch. And of course, like, you know, it makes perfect sense because Sam would obviously like make sure Isaiah's story would finally be told. I'm just hoping that some old ass motherfuckers also went to jail (laughs) because of this reveal. Right. Because Uh I was like, he better get more than just a plaque because like some of those guys are probably still around and probably still in the government. So uh, but anyway, somewhere (laughs) in power. Uh, I love that they were able to just intertwine the whole like truth storyline with like Sam's personal journey, like, you know, to becoming like Captain America. Just some really like powerful storytelling. And just before the credits, we see that the White Wolf has been invited to the cookout. And we get a title card change as we cut to black with the show now being called Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But of course, this is Marvel, and what would the MCU be without an after credit scene? We catch a now free Sharon Carter already making plans to sell U.S. government weapons and secrets to her clients right after her pardon hearing. So even though we called it last week, the title card like got me in the feels. Uh, I hope the MCU sticks with Sam as Cap. In the comics, when Sam got the shield, unfortunately, like I knew it was only a matter of time before Steve would be back. And because of that, I don't feel like Sam really got his just due with the shield. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Foggy, though, can like rectify that mistake and really like cement Sam's legacy as Captain America here. The whole end credits scene with Sharon was just okay for me. I don't know if I was just expecting something bigger in that moment. Um, I'm curious to see where it's leading to. If I had to guess, I would say probably like Secret Invasion or Armor Wars, since she's talking about like, you know, tech and weapons also. Mm -hmm. Um, I still feel like she's probably a fucking scroll, though. (laughs) Honestly, uh, you know, or who knows? Like I said before, maybe the rumors are true and she's talking to Norman Osborn on the phone. Uh, I mean, possible. I don't know, man. I I like the scroll idea because at least it goes right into Secret Invasion if they really wanted to tie it in. Well, I mean, first of all, Sharon was supposed to be snapped. Like she was supposed to be like uh, snapped out of existence in Infinity War. Mm -hmm. Like she shows up on the screen this series is supposed to take place six months after everyone's come back that's really like a short period of time for her to like you know come into power you know as this like power broker character like to set up all these experiments with this like Mm -hmm. you know super soldier serum and everything and i i don't know i don't know if it makes sense unless she like faked you know being like you know Mm -hmm. you know blipped out of existence 
uh, that could be, you know, a reality also. No, I mean, like, she clearly had a relationship with Carly for a while. It's got to have been longer than a year. I, I That's what it feels like, right? Or maybe they're just going to retcon that. It was just on the screen, so. <laughs> and she could have faked it, like I said. It's possible. Well, all right, Damon. Now it's time for our final thoughts and our final grade for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm going to give the series a solid B. All in all, I really enjoyed the show. It's filled with some fantastic moments and awesome performances. And honestly, some scenes that will go down as some of my favorite in the MCU. Um, but like, I do wish it was at least two episodes longer because I do feel like they were trying to force 10 pounds of story in a five pound bag. Um, this just made some of the pacing and plot threads feel a little clunky. And I do think some of the characters and themes just would have been better serviced with a couple more episodes. But overall, Overall, I got everything I wanted and more. Uh, Sam and Bucky are two amazing characters who more than like deserve their stories being told and like getting their moment in the spotlight. And just like in WandaVision, Marvel showed they weren't scared to get deeper and explore difficult issues. But like all at the same time, being able to like give us cinematic action sequences worthy of what we've gotten over the past decade or so in the MCU. I hope we see these themes like carry over to the film side though. I mean, yes, in a series, of course, you're going to be able to like explore more layered context. But I think these Disney Plus shows are proving that audiences are ready for it. And they're now setting the bar high for the films, which in the long run will end up elevating the entire franchise. For me, I think I'm going to give it a B minus um, for the parts that I really do enjoy. And like which I mean, you just went over pretty clearly was like all those moments where we get, you know, like them actually like challenging you know the audience in a Marvel show. I think that they handled a lot of those issues like with Isaiah's story and everything so well. And I really loved them. And I really wanted to see way more from that than we got with some of these action pieces. And like, I love the action sequences, but I think I was more invested in a lot of the character building, like character building moments that they were trying to do. And they just kept getting cut off by super fast paced action moments that they were trying to like shove in and make work. And also there's kind of a, uh, almost villain problem with this, where it's just like, you know, they, at first you think you're gonna be fighting off with John Walker, they're gonna make him the villain. Then it's, you know, clearly gonna be Carly, but Carly's too sympathetic at times to be like, like, you know, a straight up villain. So it's just, I don't know. I, I didn't ever buy into like her being this really big, bad character. I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, for Sam to like be, that's why he's trying to like make her, you know, better and all. But at the same time, by the end of the show, I had just been trapped in this whirlwind of things going on. And I was just like, eh, this is this isn't ending the way I expected it to. While I do love that Sam is Captain America now, and I loved his speech and I loved all of his hero moments. It just didn't reach that level of like WandaVision hype for me. So like we talked about in the news, they announced that Captain America 4 seems to be moving forward. I don't know if Bucky's going to be also part of the mix, but I would imagine he would be. Um, it sounds like that title card sequence that we got, they almost renamed uh, Bucky 2 instead of the Winter Soldier. I was going to say White Wolf. Um, oh, you know, no. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of that name, but uh, I understand why he wouldn't necessarily want to go by Winter Soldier either, right? <laughs> so, um, and... I don't know. He's a grown man going by the name Bucky. So that's kind of weird, too. You just need a cooler, <laughs> like, superhero code name. But anyway, um, what would you like to see out of the next Captain America film? I'm not 100% on that just yet. Like, if it's coming straight out of the show, 
do I want to do I want it to be like super tied into like maybe what Sharon's doing or anything like that? I don't know yet. Um, you know, is, is it do I want Zemo to escape the raft and it'd be a fight against Zemo? Probably not. You know, I, I think I probably want them to come up with a more like use a villain that we haven't seen just yet. Like it's as much as I love Zemo, I, I definitely, you know, I save him for another series or save him for something further down the line. Give us a little pause in between. Not too much, but um, definitely I would be interested in seeing a new villain. I don't know who yet, uh, but at the same time, I think, you know, learn what, what from what worked, you know, you got you got these great moments in this show. I'd love to take that and then also take, you know, the, the great espionage stuff that we got out of like um, Winter Soldier and like bring that in together and make that into the next like Falcon or Captain America show. What if we get like a return of Hydra or like a return of the Red Skull? Like, I know he's technically not supposed to be able to like leave that realm that he's in. But what if he somehow finds his way out of it? You gotta imagine with the Red Skull, he's planning the entire time of some way. Well, exactly, out of it, you know? right? <laughs> yeah, because if they're doing a, a film, I feel like Sam needs a huge villain to go up against, and mm-hmm. what better than like the returning Red Skull? I mean, you could even have a situation where like Bucky starts to slip back into his like Winter Soldier ways, and we find out like his psychiatrist was actually like Doctor Faustus from the the comic books, <laughs> you know, um, who works with Red Skull a lot of time. So, I mean, yeah, up. right. <laughs> so I, I would love that. But I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, up next, it looks like we both saw a movie, Damon. That's right. We both saw. Warning major spoilers for 2021's Mortal Kombat ahead. Again, major spoilers. You have been warned. And now our feature presentation. These are your champions. I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Liu Kang. Name's Jax. Kong Lao. Lord Raiden. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground, we will not fail. Kill them. Hunted by the fearsome warrior Sub-Zero, MMA fighter Cole Young finds sanctuary at the Temple of Lord Raiden. Training with experienced fighters Liu Kang, Kung Lao, and the rogue mercenary Kano, Cole prepares to stand with Earth's greatest champions to take on the enemies from Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. This was directed by Simon McCoyd and written by Greg Russo and And Dave Callahan. So, man, I was excited for this film, like an R-rated version of one of the best and bloodiest fighting games of all time, like a true classic. Uh, Before I've waxed poetically the past about like the summer, my friends and I like had Mortal Kombat fever um, playing the second game all night when the original film like hit theaters. I remember like watching it running out and then buying the soundtrack right away, which I still think holds up goddammit uh, I was completely hooked so when it came to this film I mean admittedly like not being a gamer I was more looking forward to like visiting some like nostalgic goodness albeit like with a bloodier more serious tone this time around but like I was welcoming that but instead I got this bland boring story about some dude named Cole who might someday fight in this epic tournament maybe I just I just can't fathom 
being a writer and looking at like decades worth of legendary characters at my disposal uh, with interesting backstories to like choose from, like to build a freaking film around and think, hey, you know what? We need the living embodiment of paint drying coal to tell the story of Mortal Kombat. Like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> this is like typical Hollywood executive bullshit. Like, I don't know, it, it, like just not trusting the source material once again. Um, and and this seems to happen more so than not with like video game movies. I mean, the opening sequence between Sub-Zero and Scorpion was incredible and I felt like we were in for a real treat, but it ended up feeling like it was from a different film by the time this movie was over. Because like between the lackluster script, CGI, choreography, and performances, this film didn't really have much of anything going for it. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a few like exceptions here there. I mean, Sub-Zero and Kano were pretty cool, and I did enjoy a lot of the fatalities, but even the soundtrack was like a boring missed opportunity. Uh, there's not even a fucking tournament in this film. Like, it's all set up like for the sequel. You know, where hopefully the Mortal Kombat actually takes place. Like, this is just a prequel in disguise. So I was, I don't know, I was truly disappointed with this movie. Honestly, I feel like we got catfished. I mean, even like the, as you said, those first seven minutes where we got, you know, the real story between the Lin Kuei and the, uh, the Shirai Ryu, you know, you had that classic feud of Scorpion versus fucking Sub-Zero. And then it kind of just goes nowhere from there. You know, um, they really did open it up well. You got this great origin sequence, you know, where you you know you got to see where you know, Scorpion got his blade. And it really like, that's what it really built up the film to be like, okay, maybe if this is just a prequel, this is what we're getting. You know, we're seeing little elements of why they become the fighters that they are and they get chosen. Um, even if it was a storyline where it was like, you know, it's Cole, you know, rising up to become more of a Scorpion-like character, that would have been something cool. Instead, I don't know what the fuck we got with it. I don't know what his power is. I don't understand it at all. It's like um, he gets power, re like <laughs> he can like absorb kinetic energy or whatever. It just seemed whatever the fuck like he needed at the time. That's what he got. Um, and that's that's the unfortunate part because I was excited. Like uh, Mortal Kombat knows how to make characters. I mean, even if they're like dumb and even if they have very stupid plot lines at sometimes, they're still fun and imaginative. And, and that's another thing about this film. But beyond just Cole, because I can I can talk about Cole for the, for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know, about how just dumb and stupid that character is. But the base characters that they have, why didn't they trust like what was written already enough? to really make these characters, you know, work. I mean, Sonya is, is such a, it's such a disservice to this character. This character is like a true 100% badass at all times. You know, either the movies or the games really always shows her off as the most badass person in the room. She takes everything super serious. She is 100% military raised type of character. In this film, they, they literally just strip that of her she becomes this like believer of you know whatever's going on in this mystical world and she's chasing after this and then when the boys tell her you know oh you can't train with us she just skulks away and then helps out her friend and then magically gets abilities by the end of the fucking movie there it's this very terrible story arc that just doesn't help like it, it goes to show and it goes across the board with all the characters you know all of them just seem to be like almost 
caricatures of what they were in the actual games rather than just taking a, a little bit of them and putting them in there. Honestly, I think Damon said it best, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, you know, it just didn't work with the script. It didn't work with whatever they were trying to do with their music. And they just gave us, you know, nothing from beyond Scorpion. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, because Ed Boon loves Scorpion so much, maybe that's why they focus so much on making him such an important part of this film. But even he wasn't in it enough for it to really No, matter. he wasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so bizarre. Like, I, yes. at, at a point, I was like, okay, so is Cole going to end up being, like, the next Scorpion? Is that what's happening here? But then I was like, well, I feel like we're missing a whole in-between, like, you know, arc, story uh -huh. arc here with what happens with <laughs> the actual Scorpion. So, um, I, and I didn't understand, like, the whole power concepts going on. Is that something? Oh, that's like, all. No, that's They BS. don't have these tattoos in the game? <laughs> no, there's no tattoos. They, all, they either have, like, cybernetics or... They just have abilities after, that they've like, trained and learned to because master. Because honestly, like after like Mortal Kombat like three or four, like my knowledge just mm. stops, right? I stopped playing the games. So like I was like I was like, okay, maybe this is something I forgot, or maybe this is like a new, like, you know, part of like the Mortal Kombat legend that I never heard of. But so you're telling me no. that this whole tattoo thing was something that they, they just created for the film? Yeah, it's something they create for the film to explain why they have abilities and probably explain why they can't just give these guys fancy cybernetics. Because, I mean, like, Kano, he doesn't just shoot a laser out of his eye. Like he a, has yes. a fucking cybernetic yes. eye that does it. Um, it's just overly complicated nonsense. Like, yeah. the lore is all there. <laughs> like, next time, just fucking copy and paste. Like, I mean, mm. I don't get it. Um, like, and then, like, Cole's powers. Like, besides, like, bad, like, 90s, like, rubbery-looking armor, what was his powers exactly? You said something about, like, kinetic energy? Like, I... That's... Because, I mean, every time he took a blow from Goro, and I don't even want to talk about uh -huh. Goro, but um, every time he took a blow from Goro, his suit would, like light up red and it made me think of like oh maybe he's dissipating energy and building it up so he could strike back but, but you're writing the, the script you don't for ever them. see yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know i just i didn't get it at, like I, like i didn't even understand his weapons like he had two weapons mm. like i was like is that part of him where did that come from is that armor is that part of his skin like it just felt like they put something on him that was like left over in the effect shop uh -huh. you know they're like here just wear this <laughs> i was like if you're gonna like like come up with this original character at least like make him look cool like when he like powers exactly. up they didn't even bother doing that you could have given him like a scorpion type like look if you wanted to like or give him something that like is reminiscent of that so like it ties him like together with that lineage but i i don't know i don't know what they were going for here like when there's a moment where raiden actually like gives him the blade and i was like oh okay so he's gonna like maybe tie this in and it's somehow just gonna become like his new weapon. He's gonna have the chain or something. Like I thought at some point he was going to become maybe the new yes. Scorpion, but I, it just it just didn't turn out that way. I mean, I'll go down as saying I was one of the people that was like looking for something new out of the Mortal Kombat story. I, I, I said that on the show, like I wanted them to do something new because we have the fundamentals. You know, we, we have the basis already. But they just, they, they said, fuck the bases and let's just make yes. our own thing. Yes. And it, it made no that's, sense. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, like, and like you said, with the characters, like, they had no chemistry whatsoever on the screen. I mean, say what you uh -huh. will about the original Mortal Kombat, like, film. 
I still love it. I, I actually watched some of it after I watched this uh-huh. like debacle just to get the bad taste out of my mouth. <laughs> but those characters, like they had chemistry and, and that film was fun. This film was not fun. Like there was nothing entertaining <laughs> or enjoyable about this film. It was just, I mean, boring dialogue. I, I, the fight sequences were uninspired, I felt like. Besides the fatalities, like I didn't really enjoy the the fight sequences leading up to them. You know, I, it didn't feel like they carried any kind of like weight or real mm-hmm. impact. I mean, it was just all like, leading to the fatalities, which were cool. Don't get me wrong. Like I love a good uh-huh. fatality. It was neat seated on the big screen, but I don't know. It just didn't do much for me in the long run. It wasn't enough to save the film. I, I popped for Kung Lao's yes. hat um, fatality, was, though. I was, was like awesome. all about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it didn't help that they did that like cut style where it was so fast, like almost Tekken fights were happening in front of yes, us. Right. When you have so many great like action packed, like, you know, uh, martial art films or films like John Wick out there, like if you're going to do a Mortal Kombat film, you know, a modern day Mortal Kombat film, you need mm-hmm. to bring it with <laughs> with your fight choreography. Like the whole basis of this film and this game franchise is the fights. And they really just like phoned it in. Mm-hmm. It's not like Cole can't do it either. Cause I mean, we've seen him in Iron Fist and he was like the most, one of the most memorable parts of that first season was his fight with Iron Fist and just how well handled it was and how like his choreography. Oh, that's right. He's the drunken master, right? Yeah, exactly. He can fight. He can go on screen. Yeah, I I don't like I said, but like everything (laughs) like you wouldn't know it by watching this, which also makes me want to ask. It's like, do you think this was because I don't think the I don't I don't believe it was the actor's fault. I, I don't know. I feel like it was more just a bad script when it came to the lines in general. But it's just like, man, that dialogue was rough throughout half no matter how great of an actor you are like it's all about the fucking script in the long run you can't Mm -hmm. salvage a movie from like a horrible like script i mean it takes a very special actor to do that i mean the dude who played kano and i don't know his name like he was trying his best (laughs) like you know and he Uh was the most charismatic character in the entire film uh but that was really it I mean, this was just a poor script with bad dialogue that really just let fans down in the long run. I I just don't know. Like, do you want a sequel from this? No, not by this team. (laughs) (laughs) And I think James Wan was a producer on this, so I'm really disappointed. Mm -hmm. But I felt like his name started to get mentioned less and less. As time uh-huh. went on, <laughs> so maybe he became like less involved once he realized, you know, this film was a, you know, a drizzling pile of shit. I mean, like, give me Chad Stahelski in a fucking Mortal Kombat movie. That's what I want at this point. Uh, the guy that did um, uh, John Wick. No, I agree 100%. Or just expand on that first opening scene between like Scorpion and Sub-Zero. I'd love to see a whole movie based on that. I mean, that literally could have been the whole right? movie. I would have watched it. That was so good. I don't know it what It felt happened. like it was made by like different people, though. It was bizarre. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. And that's even that's the part that they put online as well. First off, they didn't. Oh, even, the seven minutes. Yeah, that's the seven minutes they put online. That, that that's the best part of the movie. Yes. No wonder. I'm not surprised. <laughs> 
talk about like ambushing the audience. Yes, it's it's a catfish movie, man. <laughs> All right, Christian. So without further ado, what grade would you give this film? So as a fan of the games and everything of the series, I'm going to be giving it a C minus, mostly just because of the effects that we got for those fatalities and the things that I actually got to see on live screen. Other than that, I mean, I I feel like a C minus is uh, almost too generous, but at the same time, I I'm, agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I enjoyed the the little parts, but I, and I'll, I'll look at it as a highlight and gifts as we go on in the future. But it's definitely not something I ever see myself returning to ever again. But like talking about the effects, what about reptile? Like that was abysmal. Yeah, they could like that like... was horrible. <laughs> like what the hell happened there? Uh, anyway, so I. <laughs> That's your grade. My grade is a D minus because there wasn't enough of those little moments to like salvage this movie and make it like, I don't know, watchable, uh-huh. honestly, because I was struggling like three quarters in. Um, I mean, maybe I was overhyped for this. Maybe my expectations like, I don't know, we're, we're too high. I mean, we've gone through a pandemic and we haven't uh-huh. seen like, you know, a lot of films recently. But man, this was disappointing. I mean, I was watching fucking videos all week about like, oh, the entire Mortal Kombat like timeline, just, you know, you know, refreshing my brain. So I was hyped. I was excited for this. And I, I, I definitely was left let down. Like, I, <laughs> the, the Cabal thing, I didn't like... Is he like some like New York street thug in the game? <laughs> no, I mean he's definitely more on the like black market, like working with like Kano side. Um, it-, it was such <laughs> a bad cheesy accent. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going? And like it did not match like uh-huh. you know the aesthetics of the character at all. Like I was like, what am I watching? The effect was right at least. His speed looked and, like, right. And like the characters, the characters just like popped up uh-huh. on the screen with like no introduction whatsoever. Like, just no backstory. They're just there. Mm-hmm. I, I, man, what the fuck was this? <laughs> I still don't get fucking, like, uh, Jax's arms, how that became a power. You know, instead of it just being something that they gave him, was it, it's just fucking... And I was... So I was confused by that scene. Like, when... I don't know why we're still talking about this movie. <laughs> but when, when he, like, got defeated by Sub-Zero and got his arms ripped off, I thought his tattoo, like faded and disappeared am i imagining that i didn't see it fade at least i don't know okay so maybe i was imagining that because i was like oh he lost his power or sub-zero because i thought that was what sub-zero was doing right wasn't he taking out the champions yeah he was supposed to go kill all the champions i don't know why he didn't finish the job exactly and then how come at the end of the movie here's a big one uh, how come at the end of the movie and sorry i I hope we said spoilers right we do we have the robots say spoilers spoilers will be uh, okay all right so (laughs) anyway so rated at the end of the movie just like nonchalantly goes we need to find more champions and i was like wait a second didn't you say like in his introduction that like these were the only champions left for like you know earth yeah pretty much or whatever? he was like yeah this is all we got but then he's like psych and like, <laughs> <laughs> like you could have gotten more help the entire fucking time uh, i i hope ryan reynolds doesn't do this film by the way oh for johnny cage you're like, what a waste of his talent if he ends up <laughs> caving to, like, you know, fans' wishes and doing this film. Well, well, would you rather The Miz? <laughs> like, or maybe, no. Well, I feel like it's more the caliber of The uh-huh. Miz, right? <laughs> like, that makes, like, this feels like it could have been, like, a WWE, like, productions, uh-huh. you know, type Absolutely. deal. Like, 
So, uh, but yeah, no, no, this this just wasn't for me, I guess. He he would make a good Johnny Cage. It just needs the right team. <laughs> the Miz can't he can barely Miz. wrestle. Uh, no, no, sorry, Ryan Ryan oh, Reynolds. I was Ryan like, Reynolds. What? Not the Miz. <laughs> Well, you know what? If they get Ryan Reynolds on the film, at least, I feel like it will make it a better film. Like, he'll make sure... It'll be, like, quality control. Mm -hmm. He'll probably just fire everyone and start over (laughs) again, honestly. All right, let's stop talking about this bullshit. Let's move on. (laughs) It's time for Christmas Quarter. Well, guys, it looks like we're approaching summer pretty quickly. And with summer comes the major gaming event, E3, and its big return this year. However, this last week in gaming, we got another small state of play from Sony. And quite frankly, I don't know if this really should have been considered a state of play, as it really was just a Ratchet and Clank showcase. Which, don't get me wrong, Ratchet and Clank looks like probably one of the most impressive kids' games to date. And I'm also still debating giving it a try, even though I'm not, you know, like one of those types of people that are into platformers. During the showcase of Ratchet and Clank, we got to see you know about 50 minutes of the game, which really showed off how visually impressive it is um, and how much it's really use, how much it's really utilizing that you know PS5 SSD. With Ratchet being able to just go through these portals and be in a new level instantaneously without any loading screens. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, um, I mean, Ratchet and Clank should be getting you excited for the future of the PS5. If if they're able to make this game look as good as it is, I mean, I can't imagine what they'll be doing in about like three to four years with future titles. I mean, honestly, we are still really in the very first phase of the PS5. Speaking of the console, I mean, recently it came out that it seems like the PS5, even with shortages, is still like on pace to beat the PS4 in sales, which is fucking crazy. If anything, I really just say it's a testament to, you know, how like the PS4's console life really was. It made these fans loyal enough to still want to go out in droves to get that next gen console. But I do have to say, it's ridiculous how hard it is still to get a PS5. Besides Ratchet and Clank though, we saw a small announcement for the sequel of Subnautica, which is this like underwater exploration game. Um, It seems like it's getting a kind of like futuristic um, update for it. And we saw that the ever popular Among Us is coming to PlayStation. But overall, I mean, I was still super underwhelmed with this event. You know, I, these these three games easily could have, especially with the length of their trailers and stuff like that, could have just been released online separate. They didn't need to be a state of play. And we've been seeing like these kind of small events here and there from other companies as well. You know, maybe they'll release maybe three to two things at a time. Um, and, I, and I think it's just because of the age we're in, we can easily put out like, oh, we have some news, let's just put it out, get a little bit of buzz and stuff like that. But I don't know, like when I think back to like how state of play started with PlayStation, it was when they wanted to really exit out of the E3 scene um, and have their own press conference. When we had this giant like stage presence of this you know conference from Sony every year, um, you know it, it really felt like a big event. Now you know we get a state of play every two months, and it's maybe two or three announcements. And even before this one, it really felt like those announcements were at least something noteworthy, um, or at least maybe a little bit more. Even if they were going to do like a smaller games, they would put maybe like five or six in a row uh, now it's just like oh it's you know ratchet and clank for about 20 minutes and then you have two minutes of other games i don't know uh it just it, it seemed a little off to do it this way and it really makes you think do i really need to be tuning in to these live stream events but hey maybe because e3 is right around the corner maybe sony and other companies are just kind of trying to save what's 
you know best for when people are actually looking into the games industry the most around E3 time. So I mean maybe there's going to be some bigger announcements around then. We can only wait and see. E3 this year begins around Saturday, uh, June 12th, I believe. I guess in the meantime we'll just continue to play video games like I do every single weekend, Thursday through Sunday, um, live on Twitch. You can join us over on our Twitch channel. And as we announced at the beginning of the show, we are doing a giveaway this upcoming weekend for Resident Evil Village, which comes out next Friday. So I'll be playing it all weekend, starting at 12 noon each day's uh, Central Time. And if you are subscribed to me, you will be automatically entered in for a chance to win Resident Evil Village. So I definitely think it's a great opportunity for you guys. It helps support the show and you might be able to win Resident Evil for free. Um, if you have an Amazon Prime account and you're not using it to subscribe to anyone, you can subscribe to me for free and you'll skip the cost completely. So yeah, definitely make sure you're checking us out on Twitch. Uh, this weekend, I started playing um, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which you know was a game I've been meaning to try out for a while. Uh, I'm going to continue on with The Witcher 3. I've finished the main storyline, but now we're getting into the expansion packs, so I'm going to be doing that. On Sunday of this weekend, I'm doing the big last two demos for Resident Evil Village before next weekend, where we play the actual game from you know start to finish, whenever I do finish it. I, I imagine it's going to be a longer experience than 7, uh, just based off how many bosses and stuff like that and how stuck I'm going to get on it. But yeah, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Uh, make sure that you're following us on there. Make sure you subscribe for your chance to win Resident Evil Village. All right, let's move on to wrestling. Omega has won in the electric chair. All right, Christian, so over this past weekend, Kenny Omega's journey as the collector continues as he was able to capture the Impact title. Uh, we both saw the match. Christian, what were your thoughts? You know, um, I I, th I think Rich Swan is a very talented wrestler. I just... Um and mind you, we don't have much time because we ranted about Mortal Kombat <laughs> Forever, for way, <laughs> way too long. So we apologize, everyone. Uh, Rich Ron is a very talented wrestler. I don't know if he you know, held up with Kenny throughout the entire match, but I, I do think that they had a good one overall. Um, you know, I think that Kenny's fucking is awesome with, you know, dripping in gold at this point. But I, it was a little too predictable that Kenny was going to win. At least nah. I think Rich Swan could have had a little bit more like offense on Kenny at some point in this match. It did feel like pretty one sided uh -huh. at the end there. Um, but it did seem like Swan might have like blew up a little because um, he just looked spent mm -hmm. by like, I don't know, the last like five, ten minutes of the match. Um, I don't know if he was just selling or what, but it did feel like, you know, Kenny was wrestling himself at points, um, but it, it, which is weird because Swan is a super talented wrestler. So like, I can only really like chalk it up to him blowing up, which happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. So the best of them. So I don't blame him there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a pretty good match. Um, you know, it's hard with impact because they have no crowd that definitely like throws me off. They have the crowd sound, mm -hmm. but like 
no actual like audience. So that's a little weird and jarring to see, um, you know, because I mean, WWE say what you will. They've got the Thunderdome. So you've got that like, I don't know, illusion yes. of an audience at <laughs> least. And, you know, we know what AEW is doing with their wrestlers around the ring and everything. So um, watching a show like that, it felt like we're back to like the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. So um, but overall, it was a good match. Like you said, I mean. So I guess my biggest issue is the way that AEW is like really like capitalizing or how they're not really capitalizing on this storyline with like impact. They barely even mention it. I, I don't think they mentioned Kenny winning the title at all. Or if, if they did, it was like briefly in one of like Callus's like throwaway lines during this past episode on uh, Dynamite. So, I mean, so I don't really understand what AEW is getting out of this deal with Impact. I mean, Impact, you've got Omega over there, you know, basically weekly now, it seems like. Um, you've got, you know, uh, Tony Khan, like, showing up and doing, like, promos. I mean, it. I don't know. Like at first I thought this was really one-sided. I mean, I guess they're getting the good brothers out of the deal, but even those guys aren't wrestling that much on AEW. So I just hope this ends up leading to more. Yeah. I I'm just wondering like, what's the disconnect here? Because like, because on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, you've got Moxley actually like going to defend the new Japan U S like title on dynamite in like two weeks against one of the wrestlers nagata which is so insane like, <laughs> yes <laughs> so why haven't we seen any other impact wrestlers like show up and go after like you know omega here or even like the good brothers or the young bucks i don't know and they keep like you know they did so much before this where they kept saying like oh it's gonna be a it's gonna be huge you don't know you know we're gonna be having this massive crossover they kept like teasing it so i'm i keep expecting like oh maybe there's gonna be a big impact invasion angle happening yes. or something it, it, it's not nothing's happened you know i i at least expect rich Swan to be on aew at some point I agree 100%. And at this point, if an invasion, like, happens, it's going to feel like it just, like, came out of nowhere because there's been, like, literally no buildup on, like, Dynamite for it. So, I mean, it seems like this storyline is solely just taking place on Impact at this point. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like I could totally picture, like, having the inner circle go up against a faction um, in impact or something like that mm -hmm. you know you take someone that's already like a, a super established team and then you have them fight fight impact i think that makes sense to me you can have all these different angles going on and it would definitely you know change at least how things are going on AEW and bring while AEW may have way too many wrestlers right now and they probably should you know <laughs> give some more talent some more time it's just like you know you have an opportunity here to really make things exciting every single week you have pretty much you now you have new japan showing up with kenta and now nagata and now you have impact that could possibly come in whenever this really should be the most you know no pun intended explosive show of the week you know with how no, much I is agree. going on i agree and i mean honestly it, it, the same token you could take like you know this overstuffed roster that you have and then you could send some yes. of them over to impact <laughs> you know so you give them reps there mm -hmm. um i just i just don't get it i don't know what's happening i'm wondering if there was some kind of like edict like handed down by like tnt and this is just me speculating so it's not <laughs> this isn't news or uh -huh. anything but like i'm wondering if like something came down from tnt where like you cannot push 
impact on our like channel because it just it seems like they were going that direction and then all of a sudden like they hit the brakes mm. and they're just kind of like trying to work around it i mean that's um, what i imagine at this point especially like what was it they said that they couldn't have any more surprises on their end and stuff like that i feel like tnt might have a lot that of things going that on that did that did end up being bullshit. Oh, okay. Tony Khan has denied that's like that's an actual story. Um, so because that that's just stupidity. Uh, like surprises fuels the business. Exactly. I mean that fueled the Monday Night Wars. So I I don't know why it makes your program must see. Yeah, it'd be so a mistake otherwise be to not be doing fucking surprises on your show. But I mean that's that's just what it is. And I think right now you have plenty of opportunity. Did you crazy ass surprises? <laughs> yes, you could have some serious big moments. Yes. I mean, look uh, look at the moment when Kenta showed up. I mean, that had like the internet buzzing for a week. So especially when it comes, you know, to impact in this whole storyline or lack of. So I don't know. It's gonna take a lot for them to really like salvage this. I feel like, um, but we'll see if they can pull it off. Because I just don't know where this is really headed at this point. Because it feels like. It, I mean, is Kenny going to eventually drop the belt back? Probably, but I don't feel like it's going to be anytime soon. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, hey, if they get Kenny Omega showing up on the show every week, good for them. But I still just don't understand what this is doing for AEW in the long run. Do you think Kenny will go after the U.S. title if Moxley wins? So organically, that seems like where they're headed. It definitely feels like uh, Omega's next, like, I don't know, matchup coming from AEW is going to be with Eddie Kingston. Um, But then I could see him, like, eventually facing off against Moxley and maybe do, like, a belt for a belt type deal. Um, You know, because that'll definitely get people buzzing if there's a possibility that Omega could, like, capture a New Japan title. Um, Because I think people will see it as a gateway to, like, lead to, you know, perhaps you know, more matches, you know, with New Japan talent eventually. Exactly. So um, I don't know if anyone from AEW is going to be able to travel there soon. I know, I think they're on another like lockdown at this point. So no, but um, they could always be on Strong Style, the American show. They could be, but they got to get their talent over here then. Yeah. So because <laughs> there's not much. I mean, I, I the money's with like the talent that's mm-hmm. in Japan right now, yes. not necessarily with the talent on Strong Style. Not saying anything against the talent on Strong Style, but you know, obviously, everyone wants to see Kenny versus you know Obushi. So, um, but you know, that might be somewhere down the line. We'll see. That was my prediction for this year, so we'll we'll find out. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> we could be getting it, man. Maybe. Um, but Christian, I'm exhausted, man. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> it is 3:30 in the morning. We need to end this show. Once again, we apologize for ranting for so fucking long on Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I don't. I'm not apologizing it, for that. It definitely needed to be done. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, tune in next week. We'll be uh, talking blood and guts. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours to continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. 
Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? All right, so next week, in honor of Star Wars Day, we're going to be reviewing the first episode of The Bad Batch. That's right, and we're also going to be talking AEW's blood and guts. All right, well, that does it for this week. My name's Christian. And my name's Dan. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Your soul is mine. <laughs>